Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a Christian psychotherapist specializing in trauma therapy, couples, relationships, and personal development. She is passionate about your life and is here to encourage, teach, and inspire you to be your own best version. Find her online at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Now, with today's fresh insights, Cynthia Hyatt. Well, good afternoon. Happy Sunday to you, and I hope that you have had a good week. And if it has been a week of struggles, hopefully there have been some triumphs as well. But I know that, you know, it's tough. It can be very tough. I had some issues this week that I had to really work on overcoming, and and I'm always thankful for support of friends and family, but most of all, that I have a God that understands me and still loves me and knows me deeply and still knows me, knows my tendencies, knows my talents, my abilities, and also all my proclivities and all my brokenness and never, ever walks away, never leaves me, never forsakes me, and tells me not to be afraid and tells me not to be discouraged. So I say that to you today because we are talking about belief and the paradox of belief and unbelief and how strange it is for those of us who purport to be Christians to say, of course I believe in God. I want everybody else to believe in God. I want to tell everybody about God. I want to tell them about Christ and what Christ has done and the hope that we have in our faith. And yet when it comes down to it, do I really believe that Jesus is going to do for me what I need. So I might believe for everybody else, I believe for the whole world. But when it comes down to my needs, my hopes, my hurts, my dreams, my anxieties, whatever that may be, whatever is important to me, do I actually then fall into the category of the man with the son who is demon-possessed? And I love that passage and in the story of Jesus. And this is one of those amazing stories because it is a true story. It's not a parable that Jesus was telling people. And so I found this great article called The Believer's Paradox, and it's by Arthur Pink. And he wrote this in 1937. And I love so much of what he said. So I'm going to share some of what he said with you because I think it's so poignant. And it really starts with what we were talking about last week. That's Mark chapter 9, verse 24. And this is, you know, an honest confession of a father who had been put really to the most severe test. I mean, this man had a son possessed by a demon. And this son was grievously, grievously tormented by him. That whenever it seized him, it would throw him to the ground. And the boy foamed at the mouth and gnashed his teeth became rigid. Maybe, maybe these were epileptic seizures, actually. That's what it sounds a lot like. And so this horrible trial that this tender-hearted man had to contend with, with, with his son. And so we want to think about how thankful we are and how blessed we are with normal and healthy children. And if you don't have normal, quote-unquote, normal healthy children... You can really relate to this gentleman, this father, who had traveled the world trying to find help for his son. And this is one of the hardest things, is that this man, we certainly know, consulted lots of physicians, 
I'm sure he took him to his temple. Sure, he talked to many religious leaders. And what a testing of his submission to the will of God that I'm sure he had times in his life when he had to say, okay, Lord, should I not be asking for deliverance for my son? Should I be accepting this as your will? Is this the way it's supposed to be? How can, how can I have wisdom, Lord? How can I know what your will is? Because nobody, no one's healing my son. Everywhere I've taken him, nobody has success in healing him. So, Lord, am I supposed to just accept this? Or am I supposed to continue with faith, believing that you can change it? And so the great physician, Jesus, right, commanded that the tormented one should be brought to him. And so we read this in, in verse 20. It says, when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around foaming at the mouth. See, it matters generally because it seems to get worse with us when the Lord begins to take care of us, right? When we really start to put our, ourselves into the hands of the Lord, sometimes our situation gets worse. So this was supposedly one of the worst convulsions this father has ever seen his son had was at the feet of Jesus. And it really demonstrates that our extremity is God's opportunity. What's extreme in our life is God's opportunity to manifest sufficiently his will. We saw this with the Hebrews as they were afflicted in Egypt. So we know the darkest hour right precedes the dawn. And I know that doesn't always sound very helpful, very hopeful, because you might have been in a night that has been years and years and years of a long night with no seemingly rising of the sun. And so this was a tremendous testing of this man's faith. Imagine the ridicule and the judgment he got from his community. I mean, we wonder, where's the mother? What happened to the mom? Did she just lose heart? Did she lose faith? Did she just finally give up? Imagine what people were saying about them, that this son never got better, and that he was said to have a demon. How would you feel if people were saying your child was demon-possessed? Is it your fault? Did they fault the parents? Did they say it's some sin in their life, that they're the ones that brought this on, and God, God is not looking upon them with favor, and so he's afflicting their son? So this is tough. So what happens is he still brings this boy to the feet of Jesus. And Jesus says to him, how long has he been like this? And the father says, from childhood. Now, I don't know about you, but I have some things in my life that I've asked God to help me with that have been with me for a very, very long time. And there are things that I've prayed for when it comes to other people that God doesn't seem to hear those prayers. They don't, he doesn't seem to want to change the situation. This is a tremendous test of our faith to believe that God is really a good father. He's a good God. When he doesn't deliver, what we are thinking is just common sense. Why would God not do this? Why would he wait? Why would it go on for years and years and years? And so the father went on to say, it. He, this has been since his childhood. This has been his whole life. And he th often throws him into the fire or to the water to kill him. 
So if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us out. And see, Jesus did not rebuke him for questioning his power. He didn't say, really, you don't believe in me, but you showed up here anyways, but you don't believe? No, he had complete mercy. And he says, hey, listen, if you can believe, if you can believe, then all things are possible to him that believes. If you can believe, that's all Jesus said. He said, you don't have to make this happen. Your belief, your, the, the amount of belief you have isn't making it happen. It's your willingness to believe. Your willingness to say, okay, if I take myself out of the equation, I know God can do anything. I don't know if he's going to do it for me, right? But I do believe in God. I believe. Now, isn't that nice? Because in the beginning of this, this show, we were talking about that we can believe for everybody else, but not for ourselves. So he could believe for his son, but he couldn't believe for himself. And Jesus said, listen, all I need you to do is believe in me. Just believe. All things are possible to him that believes. And then we're told that immediately the father of the boy cried out, I do believe. I do, but help me with my unbelief. So what's he saying? I do believe. I believe you can do anything, Christ. I believe you can do anything. My unbelief, my problem is, will you do it for me? Will you do it for my son? And so this is paradoxical, right? It's a contradiction in terms. If this man is a genuine believer, why should he bemoan his unbelief? And since he expresses unbelief, how can he claim to be a believer? So it's kind of like a man saying, I'm hot, help me with my shivering coldness. I'm strong, but help me with my tottering weakness. See, faith and unbelief are opposites. How do they live together in the same body? Well, you know, I know. That's our, that's our life, right? I believe and I have unbelief. So unbelief is a part of, of the fall. That's what I want you to think about. And so this is where we know that these enigmas are everywhere and that proud philosophers have a really hard time with them because they want, they want to make that paradox go away. But thank God, he, he's, he remains mysterious to us. To the wise, he remains mysterious to the dumb. But he does reveal himself to those who are willing to believe like a child and just say, I believe in you, Jesus. I'm scared to believe for myself. I'm scared to believe you'll do it for me. Because this is part of the issue of the fall. And I know that we are not going to be delivered from that until the day of Christ Jesus. So we can really know that we are in good hands. That this has been going on since the beginning of time. That mortal man has had a hard time believing in God. Believing that he would do good things. When in our hard hearts we know in many ways we don't deserve good things anyway. So maybe we shouldn't even be asking. But I want you to know today, I don't ever want you to stop believing that God can do really good things for you and will do really good things for you. And he is a very good father. And we don't understand his timing. And we don't understand the work that he's doing in us while we are struggling with unbelief. And I want you to know for certain he does not get offended by our unbelief. 
He has such compassion and such a heart for his people. He became a mortal man. He knows what it's like to live down here. He knows exactly what it feels like to be down here. So you're in good company. I have great faith, but man, do I sometimes have unbelief as to whether or not God's going to actually do it for me. So I want you to join me in the next segment because we are going to talk more about what to do about that unbelief issue and the wrestling with it. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk about this, the paradox of belief, that it becomes unbelief. What a paradox. Thanks for joining me. Welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm so glad you joined me today. And if you are just tuning in, we are talking about the paradox of belief or that issue of unbelief and what a paradox it is that we believe in God, but we don't always believe that he's going to do what we need him to do or that he can actually do it for us or will do it for us. So we went back to that, that chapter in Mark, chapter 9, verse 24. And this is when the father came to Jesus and said, My son, he gets thrown to the ground. Demon seizes him. He foams at the mouth. He gnashes his teeth. He becomes rigid. And, and we know what it feels like to have someone that we love so deeply, have a need that doesn't seem to be met. And we know what it feels like personally. That I feel like I have a need, I've told God, that I really feel like I need this. It's a legitimate need. And I feel like he doesn't heed that. I think he hears it. I know he hears it. But why doesn't he do it? And so this was tough for this gentleman. So we see as it goes on through this whole process that in the end, he, Jesus says to the boy, how long has he been like this? And the man says, from childhood. And so you and I both know what it feels like to have an affliction that just doesn't ever go away. And maybe it's just a relationship. Maybe it's a person. Maybe, maybe it's a, a difficulty. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a personality trait. Maybe it's a lack of something that we think this is just never going to go away. Or maybe it's something that's happened to us that we just cannot get over. And we just think, will I ever be over this? Will I ever get past this? And what does Jesus say? He says, how long has he been this way? He says, from childhood. And he says, if you can believe all things are possible to him that believes. If you can believe, all things are possible. If you can believe. And what does the man say? He cries out immediately, 100% honesty. I do believe. Help me with my unbelief. So what Jesus is saying to us is, we don't need to believe, and, and, and our belief is not the thing that is motivating Jesus. It's a relationship issue. He's just simply saying, I get it. I get it. I don't need you to believe I'm going to do it for you. I just need you to believe. That's all. I just need you to believe in me. Don't start adding things to it. Don't start trying to figure out, well, maybe I believe Jesus would do it if, 
I got rid of that sin in my life. If I had greater faith, if I went to church more often, if I was tithing, if I was living my life in a more moral manner. God is saying, no, I just, if you believe all things are possible. And so I want you to think about this, that unbelief came with the fall. And it's a great burden to us. And it grieves our soul. And how many people do you know have wept over that? The fact that they feel like they don't have enough faith, enough belief. But see, God doesn't seem to want to remove that from our life. And it can feel like a cloud that covers the sun. But unbelief, it can impede our progress. And there are times I'm sure that you've experienced where you just didn't believe at all. And, you, and maybe you walked away from your faith. Maybe you said, you know what, I don't, I don't even know if I can believe in this at all. But it's not until God communicated faith to that father when Jesus said, hey, all you need to do is believe. That's all you need to do. Then his soul, he knew that he was conscious of his unbelief. That's when the father said, oh, I do believe in you, but help me with my unbelief. And so you have to understand that people that don't believe never have to face this. They don't ever face the fact that they might not believe for a certain area or for a certain thing. They never have to deal with unbelief because they never take the risk of believing. And so this is why it's so important that we understand this paradox, these two distinct and totally different principles that dwell within us, faith and unbelief. And it's understanding that God's grace is sufficient for us in this. This internal warfare, it's one of the plainest possible proofs that you are a believer if you struggle with belief. See, no un unbeliever ever sheds tears over his unbelief. They don't feel bad about it. They don't even feel desperate or let down by it. So you see, the first thing I want you to think about when, the, when this man said, Lord, I do believe, help me with my unbelief, there were four things that we need to look at here that need our attention. And the first one is certainly the paradox. That, that wow, this together with its solution, we have to consider this. The paradox is, I do believe, help me with my unbelief. And that's tough for, for humans to, to contain a contradiction. And so the second that this man did, that we really want to look at, is that he affirmed to the Lord his belief. He said, Lord, I do believe. I do believe. And the third thing this man did was he, he requested something of Jesus. He was bold. He said, help, help. Help my son. Help me with my unbelief. Help. I need help. And so he confessed what it was he needed help with. He said, I need help. Help me with my unbelief. And that's the confession in the petition. That's the plea. That's the relationship part that we want to be working on with God. It's the confession that we confess to God honestly. Hey, this is where I'm at with this. I'm struggling with knowing if I can believe in you. And I can't believe I, intellectually I know I believe in you. But I feel like I'm losing faith. The best thing is to always tell God the truth because he already knows it anyways. 
It's like myself as a therapist. There are many things that I already know just because it comes with the package when people start to tell me their story. And it always helps when they finally are willing to say to me, I need to tell you what I'm doing. And I say, mm-hmm, because I already most likely know. But it helps them to tell me so that I can actually help them, so that their fear of being rejected by me is assuaged. And they find out they can be honest and that there is an answer. But that's a process of confession, of accountability, of being honest with who you are and honest with where you're at. And so this man, in front of everybody, was humble and honest with Jesus in front of this entire crowd. He said, if you will, if you will. And Jesus said, if I will? If? If? Are you really saying the word if to me? And he said, I do believe, but help me with my unbelief. I want you to think about this. What do you struggle with believing in? Like globally, you believe in God. Globally, I think you believe in Jesus. Maybe you don't. If you have trouble believing in Jesus, then ask yourself, what is, what is my unbelief? And I would recommend that you just simply tell Jesus why you don't, why you don't believe in him. Tell God what your struggle is. He really is big enough to handle it. He really wants to hear it. He wants you to take responsibility for it and to tell him yourself. He already knows, but that's relationship. That's the power of showing up in your own life and doing your relationship with your creator. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in this last half as we kind of finish this whole idea of this paradox and what we're doing with it. Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and thank you so much for joining me. This is the second hour of our show. So if you are just tuning in, I want to make sure that you can listen to this show in its entirety. If you go to the website at CynthiaHyatt.com, all the shows are listed there. You can listen from your computer. You can also go to 1360 KPXQ Faith Talk the, the uh, radio, the website, and all those shows are there. Just look up my name. You can find me as the host, and all the shows are also there for you to be able to take advantage of. So we're talking about this paradox of unbelief, the paradox of belief, that we believe, but we don't believe, and that we're saying to God, help me with my unbelief. And how very near and dear it is to his heart that he really understands that. You have to remember, you know, go read the story about the days that he travailed in the desert and his crying out to God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me? And you want to think about Jesus as a, as a mortal man. God in the flesh knows what it's like to be limited and have a paradoxical problem. Did I believe? I really believe in God, but do I believe he's going to do something for me? And that's where we talked last week that this is a trust issue. See, it's hoping God will do it, and it's trusting he will do what is best for me. I can have my own idea what I'm wanting him to do, but the trust piece is, do I actually trust him to do what is in my best interest so that when he does something that may not be what I wanted the answer to be, 
I actually recognize that it's God's providence for me. There's been many times where I have asked God for, for things that I've told him, I really need help in this, or will you please do this, or I'm believing that you're going to help me with this. And I come to find that he helped me in a way I would have never dreamed of. I would have never thought of. And I think, wow, I'm actually very thankful that he didn't answer the prayer the way I asked him to, because his way actually was better. And so when we look at this story, the little boy in this story trusted his dad. That's what we want to really look at. This little boy didn't even tell his dad what to do. He just went wherever his father took him. Whatever his father presented as a remedy, the little boy participated. The little boy trusted his father. He depended on his dad. He believed that his dad had his best interest in mind. It's all about relationship. So I don't want you to try to increase your faith. I want you to increase your relationship with God. I want you to be more familiar with him, more familiar with his heart, his mind, his intentions. He, he's an entity. He's a being, and he's also a person. So the more you get to know him, the more you know who he is the more you can relax, the more faith you will have automatically. The longer I have, I have very good friends. I have some friends that I've known for 25 years. I still am getting to know them. I know them very well. We've had many experiences together. And there's a certain level of comfortability and trust that I actually, I, I know what they're probably going to say to me, right? I know that they will help me. I know that I can call them. I know that even if I'm embarrassed about myself, they're going to love me anyways. Well, think about your father in heaven who died for you. How much more trust he deserves. So this is what we want to think about. This little boy trusted his father. And this father then had to trust Jesus. And what this father did as an adult now, see, he didn't have faith as a child like his little boy did. He said to God, I do believe, I do, I do believe. Help me with the fact that I don't really believe you're going to do it. I've had so many letdowns. I've tried so many things and nothing has worked. I'm out of gas when it comes to, unbelie when it comes to believing. I'm tired, I'm weary, I'm broken down. I'm coming to the last straw. I don't know if I can even pull together enough strength to believe. Help me with my unbelief. See, children simply tell their father and mother what they need. They tell them what they need. They tell them what they want. And the more trusting the children, the more, e the more simple it is for them to believe that the parents will do what they need. And that the parent will always do for them what is best. And they believe in their parents' intentions. They believe their parents' heart. And they trust. And they're not ashamed to simply ask, even if it seems outrageous. So this is what I want you to think about. We had to learn as we grew up to not trust our parents. And, and unfortunately, if you're a parent, you know that you're not a perfect parent. You, you probably have the best intentions. You love your children very deeply and you want to do what's right. But you also are human. So if earthly children will trust their parents, imagine how important it is for us to trust God. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the last segment as we talk more about relationship and how that increases your belief.
Thank you for joining me today. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. So if you are just tuning in, I want to make sure that you can listen to this show in its entirety. You can go to the website at CynthiaHyatt.com and just hit the radio little radio word at the top of the homepage, and it'll take you to all the shows. You can also go to 1360 KPXQ Faith Talk website, and all of the shows are also listed there. All you do is put my name in, find me as the host, and all of those shows will be there ready for you to listen to. Make sure that you check out all the social media that we have for you on the website. We have blogs that that are um, from the shows that we do, so you get to kind of read what the show is about. Um, Also, there are are places for you to look on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, all these different places, LinkedIn. And I so appreciate seeing you in all that social media and and really saying what, what you're liking, what you need, what would be helpful. And so you can always email me at CynthiaHyatt at gmail.com. If you have a question you want me to answer, if you have a topic that you would like me to speak on, if you have an event that you need a keynote speaker for, I would love to come and, and speak on any of the topics that you've heard, or I can do one that you have picked, and I can tailor make one for your group. So thank you very much for always just being a listener and participating and truly wanting to be the best version of you. And what a way to honor God yourself and the people that love you is to be the best version of who you were intended to be. So we are talking about this paradox of belief, of unbelief, that we believe but we don't believe. Everyone struggles with it. We saw the humility of this father in Mark chapter 9. It started at verse 24, where Jesus was saying to him, How long has this boy been this way? He said, Since childhood. So I'm sure that you have things in your life that you have prayed to God about for a long time. Maybe even since childhood. And you feel like the prayer hasn't been answered. And so the man says, If you can heal him, please. And Jesus says to him in somewhat of a rebuke, he says, if? What do you mean if? See, the issue we see here is that it isn't that the gentleman didn't believe Jesus could do it. The if was, yeah, I know you, I I, I believe you can do it, but the if is, are you going to do it for me? And that's that relationship piece. That's that trust issue. That I don't want you to try to bolster your belief with a whole bunch of more knowledge and reading how God's answered prayers for everybody else and, you know, really trying to pump up your faith and show God, wow, I really believe in you. Uh, You already believe in him if you struggle with unbelief. See, you can't not believe in something if you don't already believe in something. So if you believe in God, that's one of the reasons you have some unbelief because this is really tough down here and God is God. And there's a lot of disconnect in between us and him and even knowing how to pray. So I want you to increase your relationship with him. Know him better. See, the more that my patients know me, the longer they know me, the more they trust me. The more they trust my methods, the more they trust my timing. They trust those things because they've come to know me, but they came with a lot of unbelief. They had enough belief to get to my office But they had unbelief as to whether or not I could actually help them. Was I going to really help them with that problem? Was I going to help them with that heartache, that trauma, that deep need 
the upset, the disappointment, whatever it is. They had enough belief to get to my office, and their belief grew in relationship. It's the same with our spouses. It's the same with our friends. I have friends that I've known for a very long time. I have a deep belief in them. They're not always perfect. They don't always do the friendship right, and I don't always do my side of the friendship right either. But there's a basic underlying trust because we know each other, and we know what to expect. And this is important when you think of your relationship with God. And I love this verse. This is Matthew chapter 7, verse 11 out of the Message Bible. This is talking directly to you and I about relationship. It says, don't bargain with God. Be direct. Ask for what you need. This isn't a cat and mouse hide and seek game we're in. If your child asks for bread, do you trick him with sawdust? If he asks you for fish, do you scare him with a live snake on his plate? See, as bad as you are, wouldn't you, th- you wouldn't even think of such a thing. So as bad as you are, you're at least decent to your own children. So don't you think the God who conceived you in love will do even better by you? So I love that. This is a relational issue. Don't bargain with God. Just tell him what you need. He already knows what you're thinking. He's not going to be shocked and surprised. Trust me, there's nothing you can do to shock and surprise God. If he's dealt with Satan, right? And have you read the Bible? I mean, these people that God loved and God worked through made big mistakes. So we are in really, really good company. God loves you deeply, deeply. So think about that. Think about the deep love that God has for you. And love, what does that mean? It's that intense feeling. It's that deep affection that we feel for people. When a spouse says, oh, they're the love of my life. I can't live without them. So stop thinking for God. Stop questioning his love. Ask for what you need. Ask for what you want. And trust your father to do what's best for you and even better than you could ever hope for or imagine. And his timing is impeccable. That's the trust issue. If I really trust God, I trust his timing. And I trust his heart. And I trust if he's withholding or if he's giving it to me. And I trust the fact that he knows I'm going to make mistakes. So the relationship issue Trying to understand God's ways as a way to figure out like the system or figure out the rules or figure out, well, if I do this, then God will do this. So maybe I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. So if I could find out what I'm supposed to do to somehow trigger God answering the prayer. Instead, this is a relationship issue. So this is like a child thinking, well, if I clean my bedroom every day for a week, then dad will buy me the bicycle I want. Right? God is wanting relationship with us. If he was just simply wanting us to obey, we would be consequenced every time we didn't obey. And so don't get me wrong. There there is cause and effect. I do believe that sin can close doors. But the operative word here is can. It can close doors. It doesn't always close doors. I know that there have been many things that I have done that I did not deserve for God to open that door, and I'm so thankful he did. And there are many things that if I were to think about it, and even other people thought, well, that, that, why doesn't that happen? That should happen. It's not happening. So God has his ways. And his ways 
aren't my ways. So how many characters in the Bible do we see struggling with sin and God still used them and blessed them? I mean, seriously, think about it. The only perfect man is Jesus. So who's God going to use? Us. Us. Mistake-making people. Sin-filled creatures. Fallen people that are working out our salvation with fear and trembling. So I think we need to concentrate firstly on God's love for us, on his desire to bless us, his understanding of who we are, the fact that he knows us better than we know ourselves, and that he died a heinous death just to be with us. And that we have the promise that he will never withhold a good thing from us. So don't think for God. Just tell him what you need. Tell him what you want. And trust that he's going to do what is in your best interest. What is going to bless others through you. What is going to help you. What's going to encourage you. And that he will never withhold a good thing from you. And that there isn't some secret formula of behavior that will help God to do what you want him to do. It's not like a slot machine or something, right? That it's arbitrary. God's not arbitrary. He doesn't just pay out occasionally whenever, I don't know, everything lines up. God is a relational God. And he's growing you up. He's cleaning you up. He's strengthening you. He's also enjoying you at the same time. And the more you get to know him, the easier trust will be. And the less that you will struggle with trying to figure it out. You'll just simply say, God, I think this is a good idea. I'm going to float it out there. I'm going to give it to you. I would love this, I think. But I'm going to trust that you know what's best. That you have a way that I'm not privy to. You have a way that might not make sense to me. And so I want you to think about, for those of you that struggle with condemnation, living with integrity does not mean living perfectly. See, the safest people, I tell this to my patients every day, the safest people are the ones that are in my office. They're the ones that care. They're the ones that are trying to get better. These are the safest people, not the perfect people. There isn't one. So you don't expect your children to live perfectly in order to grant them what they need and even what they want. See, the biggest paradox or dilemma for parents is not giving their child everything they want. You know what I'm talking about. How about the paradox, the same paradox with pets, right? You've seen pets that are overfed just because their, their owner wants to make them happy. And it's not good for them, right? So God is not going to do that. He's not going to give us all these good things and have it not be good for us. He has self-control. He's able to restrain himself. So think about that. God owns everything. He has inexhaustible resources. On top of the fact, he can pretty much create anything he wants just with a word. But he restrains himself just like earthly parents. The trust issue for us is believing that he truly loves us and that his love is not conditional. That's the belief. That's the faith issue for me. And that's what honors God more than anything. Think of how you feel when people trust you. 
What a great feeling it is that they trust you. That's one of the greatest gifts you can give someone is to trust them. And the greatest gift you can give someone is to be trustworthy. Well, that's the God that we love. That's the God we serve. And unbelief emanates from a lack of trust or doubt in God's love for you as a person, as a child. And the enemy of our soul wants us to believe that God withholds things from us out of anger or disappointment or some punitive form of punishment or correction. When God is always a God of love. And our faith must be in his character and his intention, not in what we're trying to understand and comprehend. We have faith as a child. We must resist the human impulse and compulsion to project onto God how we would do things, to project onto God how we would feel, how we think, what we would or wouldn't do. So when you're struggling with unbelief, this is what I want you to think about. Am I doubting his love? Am I making his love conditional? Am I thinking for God? Am I deciding ahead of time what he's going to do or not do, and then I'm going to try to formulate a prayer or a behavior in order to get what I need? Or am I going to trust that he actually wants to give me what I need? Am I willing to ask for forgiveness? Am I willing to resist condemnation? And I'm going to think about that parent. The father of the demon-possessed child was not perfect, nor was his little boy. And that did not stop Jesus from giving them exactly what they needed. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for being with me this hour. Believe with me. God is a good God and he loves you deeply. Just ask him and enjoy the life that he wants to give you. It's about trust. Join me next week and I look forward to talking to you. Have a great week. To hear today's program again or to share it with someone else, please go online, CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Follow Cynthia on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Cynthia Hyatt. Until next time, remember, be your own best version. Yeah.